Baylor has a new OC and they are keeping players, but they might be poor or they might be rich. Depending on who from Baylor you ask, this is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Baylor, brought to you by FanDuel. I'm your host, Cam Stewart, and happy December. Wake up, wake up, it's the first of the month. You're welcome. Uh, I believe it's National AIDS Day, actually, December 1st. Coming after St. Andrew's Day, yesterday on November 30th. And to celebrate that, Dave Aranda and the Baylor Athletic Department made the call to Jake Spavadol to come home to Texas and be their next OC. I'm jacked. I'm excited about that. I really am. It might seem weird because you don't don't get that response unless it's like a Cliff Kingsbury, right? Who might not even be a great fit, but you know he's an offensive genius, right? Or an Eric Biennemi or, you know, Josh McDaniels. As a coordinator, not as a head coach, you know, take your pick, but... Of the, of the ones that were laid out, especially by me, again, who was on top of this first, I just thought Jake Spavadol just made so much sense with all the stops he's had, the success he's had at every stops, the, the, the quarterbacks he has trained. It just makes a ton of sense. And I like that he is a guy with, again, with head, some head coaching experience. You don't, I never disliked that part of Baylor search. I just hated that they were kind of backing themselves into a corner. Um, but he's a guy who could who could use the job um, in terms of getting back to a head coaching position. He was doing a, a damn fine job at Cal last year, uh, but a little bit more exposure here down in Texas and in the Big 12 um, than you would at Cal, to be quite honest with you. And what I like the most about it is the change in style. I, I've always been a Jeff Grimes defender. I still am. Uh, but in terms of, bringing in good skilled player recruits from the state of Texas out of high school. Not that the wide zone is always going to keep them away, but sure, the spread offense is going to help. That's what these kids are playing in high school. Uh, that's that's what's fun for them. Um, it's not quite the Bryles attack that we saw a decade ago, um, but actually a lot like the Jeff Levy offense that we've seen at Oklahoma uh, because he is, uh, Spavadol is a Dana Holgerson disciple. And I think that's the connection we got here is, you know, he never coached with Dave. Um, they never overlapped at a stop, but Dave is, has overlapped with Dana Holgerson at, in their days at Tech and has clearly kept a pretty pretty close personal and professional relationship with Dana over the years. I mean, we've, we've heard about it since he's been here at Baylor. Um, and, you know, he wanted to play Houston back in 2020. That didn't work out. Remember, the bus was here. The truck was here, but COVID put a stop to it. Um, and so I think that's where he's getting the the recommendation is from, from Holgerson. And I wonder if that phone call was Dave asking, Hey, Dana, how'd you like the job? And Dana saying, yeah, you know, that's a bit of a dumpster fire you got there, Dave, but I know just the guy and the resume pops. I mean, you, you would have saw it if you're a loyal listener back on Wednesday, when I, when I uh, highlighted Spavadol's career, but it's just the quarterbacks he's worked with over the years. Um, from Case Keenum to Brandon Whedon, Geno Smith, 
uh, Johnny Manziel, Kyler Murray, Kyle Allen, even an NFL quarterback, uh, Will Greer. He, he's done a terrific job. Davis Webb, who's still kicking around the NFL. That, that was one of his best stints was his first time at Cal with Davis Webb. So the year after Jared Goff, all he does is make them a top 10 offense in the nation under Sonny Dykes, who's a, another guy that Dave has a good, good professional relationship with and probably called him too, asking about Spavinall. But I am just so so fired up about this because of the guys that I've laid out this week, the only ones that, that really made sense and were going to be good fits were Spavadol and, and major Applewhite. So I kind of told myself yesterday, whichever, if they go, well, not whichever one they go with, but if they go with one of these two guys, I'm going to be happy. And I am happy. Um, and the, and the big reason, not just because of the quarterbacks who's, who he's been whispering in their ears and in young days in their career, but also the way he can do it quickly. Cal is a doormat. I mean, Cal is not a competitive football program, uh, at least in my lifetime and, and not too much before that. They've had some great players. Sure. Um, Hall of Fame quarterback, definitely. And Aaron Rodgers, but, um, but they, they were just a, a doormat, a, a homecoming team in the PAC 12 and they would make the occasional bowl game. It's not crazy for them to go to a bowl game, but they made a bowl this year in a competitive Pac-12, a conference that was better than the Big 12, and they made a bowl game, and Baylor didn't. And what jumps off the page even more with that is they have one scholarship quarterback who had kind of pedestrian numbers, but their offense improved vastly from 2022. Um, they moved up 40 spots in the national rankings of total offense, um, they went from uh, dead last in the Pac-12 to in 2022 in rushing yards per game, which was like 96 a game, uh, up to fourth this year at 181 per game, which is significantly better than Baylor did, by the way. Um, and they were not in the top 10 of total offense in the Pac-12 any year that Justin Wilcox was there. He's their head coach. This was his seventh year. And finally, they cracked that with with being seventh in, in a competitive Pac-12. so And they moved up almost 10 points, 23 points a game to 32 points a game. Again, the, the casual fan might hear that and think, ah, that's, that's still not great. To do that in one year without your guys in there is impressive. It truly, truly is. And that's the situation he's going to come into here. He's going to come in year one with a lot at stake. Dave Aranda's job and the future of this program at stake this year. And he's not going to have all his guys in there. It's not going to be all his personnel. Now I say it's not going to be all those guys because he will have the chance to bring some guys in because Jake Spavadol knows the transfer portal. That was actually a huge knock against him when he was at Texas state four years as the head coach of Texas state. Wasn't a good tenure by any means. Uh, but there was a, there was this feeling that he was ignoring Texas high school football and he was just hitting the transfer portal hard. And I think that's not a bad move by Jake Spavadol. It, it didn't work out, but on paper, you're thinking, I'm Texas State. Yeah, I've got the greatest recruiting hotbed of any state in the nation, sure. But I'm like 20th in line there. And there's so many more, there's more kids going out of state to play football from Texas high schools than ever. Two of the best quarterbacks in the state this year at the high school level, Sawyer Anderson at Parish Episcopal, Marcus Davila at Midland Lee, are going to Purdue. So 
even the top prospects aren't necessarily staying in Texas um, over middle of the road, big 10 teams. So he, he was right on that with that one. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have connections in Texas high school football. Again, he was, he was no seeing a quarterback coach, both at Houston and at A&M. So he, he absolutely knows where to go, how to recruit. I mean, he recruited Kyler Murray. So he, he knows the connections in this state and he's going to hit the portal hard, which is what Baylor needs for a win now kind of mentality. He's going to need to bring in another quarterback. That doesn't mean it's someone who's going to unseat Sawyer Robertson, but you will need some depth there. You've only got two um, scholarship quarterbacks right now, and you'll have Nate Bennett next year, but obviously a true freshman. So um, you will need to probably bring someone in in the portal uh, to give some competition up at the top. So I am I am really excited about Jake Spavadol and the spread offense that he's bringing here and the way he can adjust. Let me know what you think. Um, I've seen some people pick apart all of his jobs, but I mean, the proof is in the pudding, whether he, whether he left the place better than he found it or not. Um, either way, it's been good every time. So let me know what you think down in the comments. We got some uh, slightly negative things to talk about with Baylor once again, if you can believe it. But what isn't negative is my friends over at FanDuel and a proud sponsor of today's video. As the weather gets colder, the football and sports in general stays hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. I can't bury the lead here. I got to get that out of the way. $150 if your team wins, okay? But what I do, what I am burying is how much I love FanDuel because they make it so easy for me, who's still kind of a neophyte when it comes to the, the sports gambling world. I definitely don't know as much as a lot of people my age. I root for teams to win. But now I get an interest in every game because of FanDuel. They could do spreads, players prop, player props, over-unders, anything you can think of. And this is the absolute best time, not just because of the sports landscape, but because of this deal that I'm going to repeat to you. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, that's $150 bucks if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to take advantage of that deal. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. From NFL to NIL. It's a buzzword in college football. It's something that gets the people paying attention and watching your YouTube videos, but it's been such a complicated thing at Baylor specifically. It's been a roller coaster of two years of NIL for a lot of schools, but the way we perceive it at Baylor, is, it seems to be changing every day. At the beginning, I thought Baylor is never going to be competitive in NIL. Just never. Okay? Because, you know, small school, small alumni base, the, these big state schools are going to be what just takes over. And that's obviously most of the 
college football landscape anyway. But then again, I just thought you weren't going to get these plucky Baylor teams every couple of years, these plucky TCU teams, uh, even someone like a Washington state who is, you know, a state school, but, but not all that big. So all that to say, I, I thought they were going to fail pretty bad at it. But then I see schools that are similar to Baylor um, and similar in size that are doing pretty well at it. And then we start to hear throughout this year from Mac Rhodes and Javon Overshone um, from the Baylor football department, athletic department, I should say, that NIL is actually going pretty well. And from the sources I've heard inside those buildings is that is right. Baylor's not doing too poorly. Uh, their players are, everyone's getting compensated. And then I hear a week ago, a week and a half ago too, he said it twice, from Dave Aranda that he doesn't know how to handle NIL and he doesn't want to handle NIL. I mean, he literally said that in his press conference last Monday was, I don't like the transactional portion of it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't want one guy making more than another guy. Welcome to the US of A, buddy. <laughs> but specifically, welcome to college football. College football has never been socialist. <laughs> In any way, the NFL is in a good way, but college football is survival of the fittest, man. You you gotta you gotta learn this thing. I mean, you you gotta adapt or die here. This is social Darwinism at its finest with the transfer portal and NIL, neither of which Dave Aranda has handled well, and he's admitted as much. And then so he says that last Monday, and then after the game on Saturday, this heartbreaking loss, no one knows in that room whether he's going to be the head coach at this point in the week anyway. And Matt Mosley asks if he has a plan. And he says, you know, yes, I do. And the first thing he mentions is being hyper-aggressive in NIL. So now I'm like, okay, Mac and, and Javon Overshone say this is, this is doing pretty well. And the people I hear from, to be fair, are also saying it's going pretty well. And then I have the head coach saying it's not going well. And that he doesn't know how to make it go well, essentially. He's going to try. So I'm like, who am I supposed to believe here? We heard earlier in the season, Mac Rhodes did an interview saying that their NIL giving was the second most of anyone in the Big 12. Okay. And he's saying you might not see it on the field here in 2023, but you're going to see it in the future. You're going to see it uh, on the campus as well with the facilities. And that's that's fantastic. I'm willing to be patient for that. It doesn't mean that Baylor's not falling behind, but I'm willing to be patient for that and hear that out. And then I hear the head coach saying it's not good and potentially is a reason why they're losing. So who am I supposed to believe here? And then to add on to that cake, in in his State of the Union, State of the Program address this week, Mac Rhodes talks about NIL again. And he says, Dave's analytical mind is very beneficial to us in terms of NIL. That's that's one of the reasons why we're keeping him around. So again, the coach says he's not good at it. That he doesn't even like it. And then I'm hearing that one of the reasons you're keeping him around after his third losing season in four years is because you like his potential with NIL. Which is it? Which is it? Do we suck at it or do we not? Are we playing poor or are we not? And so the best part about this is yesterday we stumbled across the NIL website, and this is something that's been um, out on Twitter, that Baylor puts out 
It's on the Baylor website, Baylor and NIL. They say that the university is number one in total NIL compensation in the Big 12. Number one. Whoa, whoa. That jumps out. And then you go look at the numbers, which they publish as well. Total annual NIL compensation year to date. This is actually NIL from July 2021 to the end of June 2023. 3.3 million. Okay, that's solid. That's great. That's the first thing I think of when I read that. And then I think, wait a minute. You know, I don't know too much about NIL, but 3.3 probably isn't the most in the conference. That's because it's not. It's not. And this is a tweet from Jackson Posey. That's at by Jackson Posey. Um, like a byline, not that kind. Um, at by Jackson Posey on Twitter. And so he tweets that out. And then three pictures of, of what some of the other schools in the Big 12 are reporting. Okay. The University of Texas reports they have made $15.7 million in NIL since the NIL era began in July of 2021. Last I checked, 15.7 is considerably higher than 3.3. Almost five times the amount. And see, that's what that that's one of the first things that kind of bugs me about this. Baylor shouldn't be comparing itself to Texas when it comes to NIL. No. No one will tell you that. We can't play poor, and we can't say we can't compete with anybody in the conference, but no, money-wise, we're never going to compete with them. But when you're putting out your number one in the conference, you're saying we're not only competing with them, we're better than them, and you're not. Okay, let's do another school in the Big 12. Oklahoma. Crimson and Cream, NIL fund. Since it started, they raised $1.6 million in 30 days, by the way, which is half of Baylor's total earnings, and $5 million in just in fan donations since NIL began. $5 million, if you're keeping track at home, is also more than $3.3 million. This ain't golf. It's not the lowest score wins. It's not high school cross country. Okay? So the higher score wins. And so, okay, maybe, maybe they're saying of the teams in the new Big 12, Baylor's number one. Okay, it didn't say that in the graphic, but maybe that's what they're thinking. So let's look a little bit deeper at another school who is currently in the Big 12 and will be in the Big 12 next year, Texas Tech. In-state school, public, sure. A little bit bigger than Baylor. Not that much bigger than Baylor. A little bit bigger than Baylor. And is not as good a overall program as Baylor. Not as attractive a job as Baylor. Okay? So Texas Tech... They report earnings of $7.9 million. 15.7, 5, and 7.7, 7.9, excuse me. I am no math whiz, but all of those numbers are bigger than 3.3. So again, I ask when it comes to NIL. Who do I believe? Is it the coach saying it's a problem and that he stinks at it? Is it the athletic department who is saying, not only are we good, 
but we're the best of the best in this conference when it comes to NIL. Who should I believe? And maybe they hinted at that, Baylor Athletics did, because this afternoon, after that, that screenshot started revolving around Twitter, all of a sudden this afternoon, those stats were no longer up there. It was pulled down from the Baylor Athletics website. So again, who, who am I supposed to believe? Now the, the webpage has 54% student-athletes receiving one or more NIL deals, 13th nationally in total NIL compensation among Open Doors partners. I don't know what that means, but again, I'm finding it hard to believe with all the other numbers that we're seeing. Um, 3,900, just a hair over under 4,000 is the average transaction value across all sports and total NIL compensation still at that same number, 3.278 million. But what, what am I believing? Is, is Baylor poor or not? I don't get it. And I feel like the less open you are with the fan base, the worse this gets because the fans and the alumni are the ones that are paying for this. They are the ones funding it. And there are Baylor people out there that want to help, that want to make this better. We've had to suffer through these last two football seasons. We want to make it better. I don't have the money for that, but other people want to make it better. And when they're not being upfront or they're just giving you what seems to be a falsehood that would actually deter you from giving money, I, I just, I need more transparency here. I know they don't have to do it, but I need more transparency if I'm going to be getting these conflicting reports. Either you're good at it or you're not. And I'm leaning towards the fact that they are good at it, just from what I've heard and people inside those buildings from some players. But then again, I don't know who to believe. I just don't. And I want to believe. I'm like the X-Files. I want to believe. How do you think Baylor's NIL situation is going? What can be done to stop it or fix it, I should say? Not stop it. Keep going. What could be done to fix it? And who should I be believing here? Am I missing something? Am I misconstruing something in this NIL world? Please, please let me know down in the comments. And looking again at a positive thing within Baylor football. It's not easy to do these days. But Dave Aranda, while also talking about NIL on the podium after that final game that lost to West Virginia, he also said this. And he's very open and candid about it. He's like, look, there are guys on my team right now that are getting calls from other coaches. And this is the college football world these days, is that I'm not just recruiting the next team. I am recruiting this team. I am keeping these guys here. And for all the talk of how young we are in the secondary and how that's a great mark for the future, I, Dave Aranda, also have to keep them in the building. And he knows that that's a challenge. And so far, so good. For the most part, you don't like seeing Blake Shapin leave. Your starting quarterback leaving in the portal is rarely a good thing, right? But talking about all of these young guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're announcing that they're staying. Obviously, Caden Jenkins did that before the TCU game. Um, but now Carl Williams has announced that. Devontae Tazino has announced that. Uh, Dawson Pendergrass on the offensive side of the ball has announced that. So... Two guys who were honorable mention for freshman of the year, offense and defense, Caden Jenkins and Dawson Pettigrass, not in that order, and their teammates have committed to staying. And they've tagged G to G, which is the Baylor NIL fund in all of those tweets. So uh, 
It seems a little silly, but I'm going to say that's a good thing because that means more money is going to be coming in. Um, and, and I can't be the guy who sits here and says that there's going to be a mass exodus, which I still think there will be. And I think with this now, it's quantity of players leaving over quality of players. Because talking about a great foundation and freshmen that are out there are is all well and good, but when you're on a 3-9 and nine team, that's also in the Power 5, so you know you're a Power 5 talent already. But when you're a 3-9 and nine team in the transfer portal era, that, that is no guarantee at all you're going to keep these guys. But so far, in a week, he's gotten at least four recommitments to the program of four guys who, if not starters, were, were absolutely contributors to this team, even Tizino and, and Pendergrass, who didn't start the year that way. So that that's that's big. You take the wins where you can get them, and these are wins by the Baylor coaching staff. Now, that doesn't mean that these guys will be starting in the Big 12 championship game for you in three years because you you still need to start winning. And there's time for them to go in the transfer portal, by the way, in this cycle, but you need to start winning this year again. And it's a tall, it's a tall task. Um, for as talented as those guys are, they're still pretty young. And the outlook on this team for next year, right now, again, on, on December 1st, doesn't look all that great. But I think they're going to hit the portal hard, like I talked about earlier in the show, with Spavadol on offense and keeping those guys and having some experience under their belt on the defensive side. That's big. I mean, we talked about it before. Caden Jenkins and Dawson Pendergrass, to be honest with you, those guys are foundational players on either side of the ball. I mean, Dawson Pendergrass is a guy who could be an every down back who can also be a threat in the passing game and will develop even more as a blocker. That is as good as it gets at this level. I mean, that's what you're looking for in NFL guys, and not everyone has that. And Dawson has shown flashes of all three of those things this season, especially just running the rock. I mean, his his violent style, his, his north-south, that plays everywhere. That plays in any kind of offense, I think especially well in a spread offense. Like that, that kid and his skill set is someone you can put out there all the time. And speaking of that kid and their skill set, it's the same that goes for Caden Jenkins. He was a pretty good coverage corner this year. And that's something that is that takes a while. Every step you go up in football, specifically going from high school to college, college to the NFL, that does not happen overnight. The talent is just so much better across from you, whichever level you go up. And I think this kid is going to be able to cover and be a ball hawk. Mostly a ball hawk this year. What, three interceptions, um, two fumble recoveries, one went for a scoop and score. So he makes plays, which is, by the way, something you can't teach. And so if he's a kid who can develop into a lockdown corner who can also make plays, he's got Sundays written all over him. And I think he is going to develop into an NFL cornerback. Um, I think his his potential is off the charts from what we saw this year, albeit in a bad a bad defense where you were looking for something positive anywhere you could find it. So it doesn't mean they're going to be here in three years, but mark these names down. Because this could, this could be a watershed. If Dave is right about this, whether he's the coach or not down the line, if he's right about this, and these kids have the talent to develop into core guys on this team, and they're in the Big 12 championship game in a few years, we'll be looking at these guys, these defensive players, the same way we looked at 
the Jalen Petries, the Sherelle Bernards, the JT Woodses. They might not be all, they might not be that great because those are a couple of the best players that have ever played on the defensive side of the football for Baylor. But you remember those guys getting their playing time and earning their stripes in, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, and they were foundational players on the best team that Baylor's ever had. So kudos. I've got to give the kudos so far to Dave and to his staff. You know, there's uncertainty there. There's a new OC coming in. And guys are getting shifted around. Sean Bell's got a new job within the staff. So with uncertainty to show stability is damn important for this team going forward and damn important for this head coach. And right now he's knocking it out of the park. So I gotta give gotta give the kudos where it's due. Anyway, do do you agree with me? Do you think these guys are going to stick around and be part of a Big 12 championship team? Let me know down in the comments. Let me know what you think about Jake Spavadol. Let me know what you think about NIL. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave a comment. All comments are are uh, are super helpful because we are the only place that's giving you Baylor athletics not coming straight from the university every day, five days a week. And in weeks like this, it gets even crazier. So be sure to like and subscribe. Leave that comment. Follow us on on Twitter where we put out all our content and even some funny tweets sometimes. Rarely, but sometimes. We'll be back tomorrow with more football. To- or excuse me, tomorrow is, t- tomorrow is Saturday. We won't be back tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday with more football talk, look at the transfer portal a little bit, and then get into some basketball because they get some big games coming up. Thank you for tuning in. And this is Locked on Baylor.